Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? A little wet, but you know, wet is what makes us not West Texas. I mean, that's the most I can say about that. Welcome to our party, folks. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call it the Gestalt Gardener. And I'm your host, Horticulturist Felder Rushing. Uh, the Rolling Stones of Cucumbers, I mean. <laughs> our producer is an awesome Java Chapman. Phone greeter is going to be Kevin Farrell. We're going to have a great time talking about gardening. Coming up today, St. Patrick's Day broadcast. I'm going to give you a heads up on some stuff you can be doing in your southern garden. Share one of my cheesiest music selections, which I adore being able to do every week here on MPB. But most importantly, because we are live here at MPB, I'm going to be talking with you in real time about what's going on or not in your own garden. It's a live program, folks. Sit back. We're going to take in a few minutes of news and start this informal thing we call the Gestalt Garden, and then we're going to get dirty. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And for some reason, even though it's raining out there, people are rowdy. Watch this, Java. I'm kicking my shoes off. We're going to get down on gardening today. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm surprised you didn't say, uh, let's get muddy. Let's get muddy. <laughs> You're right. We're going to be talking about gardening, folks. You want know, to give us a call? It's toll free. We got the lines open. Toll free 1 877 MPB ring. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. We're going to be just talking about gardening. And there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you don't feel like talking about it, I'm going to get so cheesy it's going to just embarrass you. But uh, if you do want to talk about gardening, I don't sell anything. I'm a retired horticulturist, got a couple of degrees and a year, decades of experience, garden centers, nurseries, landscaping, tree surgery, lawn care, all that kind of thing. I grow vegetables in the back of a pickup truck that I drive all over the country. So if I don't know it, uh, I'll be glad to find out. If I do know it, I'm going to talk to you as if you were my next door neighbor or my mother or myself. I'm not going to try to sell you a line a bunch of hooey. You know, there's so much that you hear about gardening, and they're making it complicated, and it can be complicated. So can uh, fixing a lawnmower. But, you know, you take it to a lawnmower shop to get it fixed. When you're just mowing your grass, you just go back and forth and up and down. You don't have to worry about all that stuff. So when it comes to gardening, we're going to talk about the spirit of what we're doing. Horticulture is product-oriented. You know, you want to get Lawn of the Month? I can help you. You want to uh, get a blue ribbon at the flower show? I've done that, too. I can help you with that. You want to fill your freezer with peppers? I can do that. But if you just want to knock around in your yard and have a good time and wonder what's causing all yellow spots in the yard and could it be my neighbor's dog? Yeah, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's what it's going to be like. We've got some cheesy music coming up. Got a few events going on I'd like to, to uh, promote and uh, talk about gardening and um and also uh, some some stupid stuff I want to share because it's just that kind of day. But we're going to start out here in Jackson talking with Wendy. Hey, Wendy, thank you for calling. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Fine. You been outside yet or is it too wet? Uh, I'm outside right now <laughs> in my car. But um, So I just bought a house with a beautiful yard. The lady that um, I bought it from was a master gardener, and she's got four, maybe five peony bushes. Uh-huh. That appear to be established and then are coming up. Yeah. And I know they're difficult to grow 
here and keep alive here, and I really want to do whatever I can do to keep them alive. Yeah. I'm not the greatest gardener. Like That's okay. That's good. And for, first of all, peonies are not hard to grow. It's just finding the kind that will grow here. And it's a matter of temperature. Peonies grow. The Peony Society is up in Minnesota. You know, the further north you go, the more different kinds of peonies you can grow. And as it gets hotter and cool uh, in the summer and more important, shorter winters, fewer and fewer peonies will grow this far south. But the ones that will grow here grow perfectly well with no care at all except a little fertilizer sometimes in the spring, and that's about it. So, you know, you know they're drought-tall. They're growing cemeteries. See, so you don't have to do a whole lot. It's not like a hybrid tea rose or something. Okay, so is now the time to do that fertilizer? Or? Yeah, just just a little bit. Not very, very, you know, if you know what a scant handful is, you know, if you you know, do you, like you're throwing dice, okay? That's how much fertilizer okay. they need. Uh, by the, have you seen these bloom before? I have. I had one one time. I got a cutting from an ant. That no, 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 no. I mean the ones here. Oh, oh no, they have blooms on them now. Are they white with a little red down in the middle of it? They haven't opened up yet, so I can't tell. Okay, if they are, that's a really, really good one. It's called Festiva Maxima. It's been growing forever. It's one of the most dependable for the lower south. Okay, okay it would be white good. with a little splash of sort of a carmine red down the middle of it. Main thing is, with all this rain, you might want to, to make a, like a little small cage or something to put around it next year so that... You know, not so, sort of like a tomato cage that's been cut off. You can't really see it from a ways off, but it keeps everything from flopping over in the rain. Okay. And, uh, you know, you can actually get a tomato cage and cut off most of it, and then spray paint it green or brown so, you, so it's not all shiny and all. And other than that, that's it. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, enjoy, Wendy. Thanks for calling. Okay, now uh, I was going to uh, do some announcements. We got some callers pouring, but I got to go to this because Buddy's calling from. Is it really waterproof, Louisiana? Not this morning. We're getting rain. <laughs> but is that the name of the place? It is. Waterproof, Louisiana. Who came up with that name? Back in the 1850s, this is the highest dry spot on the river when the steamboat <laughs> captain came and said, you're still waterproof. <laughs> there you go, and always will be. What's up, What's up, buddy? We raised all of our own transplants, vegetable transplants in the greenhouse, uh-huh. and my question is, is there a low temperature that would affect future production on those ceilings if they were exposed to, say, 40 degrees or whatever that would uh, not freeze but would have effect on the growth no, well, in the future? It's sort of, and no, it's not going to affect in the future. What happens, and, and the mistake a lot of people make is they don't expose their seedlings to cool temperatures. You know, 45, 50 degrees, that makes them sturdy and stocking, get those little hairy stems and all. Most people have these long, leggy, floppy things because the, the, the plants actually do better if they're exposed to some, some chilly weather. 40 degrees, yeah, that's kind of pushing, but as long as it doesn't hurt the plants. You know, they may be a little off color, may have a little purplish color because they can't really use nutrients as well. But if you'll hit them with a little half-strength uh, liquid fertilizer, you know, this will actually make them sturdier and stockier. And it won't affect the production of them down the road. As long as you can get them through the, you know, through the next couple, three weeks, they'll do fine. Okay, that's what I needed to know. I sure appreciate your help and enjoy all of your information. It's a, it's a great question, buddy. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, though. Yeah, uh, people are growing their own tomatoes and peppers and zinnias and stuff like that. Make the mistake of doing it inside, and they get leggy and weak and stretchy and floppy, and they never strengthen back up. 
the thing to do is get your plant started, your seed started, and every day it's above, I'm going to say 45. I mean, Buddy's pushing with that 40. Any time it's above 45 or 50 degrees, keep them outside, real wind, cool temperatures, real sunshine, that little movement, air movement, that makes them sturdy and stocky and a whole lot better to grow. Um Let's see, before, again, we have some announcements. I don't want to go to Yazoo City. Hey, Ben, good morning, sir. Good uh, morning. Howdy, what's up? Um, I, uh, like to call earlier, acquired a nice garden from a house we just bought in Yazoo City. Uh-huh. And um, I've got, we've got a great banana tree, and, and we've got this awesome pomegranate tree. And I'd really like the pomegranate tree to know if, if we live in an area where it can produce true edible pomegranates. I tried them all last year. They were sour most of the year, but I did get one point where they got a little sweet. But then I feel like they they start to die, and and I'm just wondering if like the banana plant that we have that will get some bananas, but they don't mature. Yeah. Am I am I losing a battle with the pomegranate tree, or can no. I ever get the, the, the fruits no. of my labor on no. it? And I don't know how to do how to treat one. Maybe I yeah. need to do something special. Here's the deal: pomegranates they bloom in the late spring, early summer. We got that really pretty not red not orange flower uh and they do great when i was uh, a kid up in the delta uh about oh 50 miles north of yazoo city we used to mr yarborough my neighbor he never got any pomegranates because we always stole them right. but but, but they, they, they they'll do fine pomegranates will do fine i've seen some great pomegranates uh in in north mississippi uh the problem is what variety do you have you know because it just like with tomatoes and apples and also there's a lot of different varieties some are tastier than others some are bigger uh, and sweeter than others and also this effect is somewhat by the climate if it's really hot and dry the pomegranates uh they'll they'll do but they won't have as much juice in them uh, in the right. seeds, and that'll affect their flavor. So, you know, sometime in the summer, if it gets really, really hot and dry, give them a good, slow, deep soaking, I'm going to say once a month. And, okay. if, and if you'll give it just a little bit of fertilizer under the outer spread of the branches, because those, those roots are well out there, just fertilize ar- out away from it, around it, every couple of three years, a little bit of fertilizer. That'll make them sturdy and, uh, and produce better. But one other thing, uh, uh, Ben, if you'll... Uh, thin out some of the branches. You know, they have a whole lot of They're bushes. If you'll yeah, thin them right. out, the energy that will go to what's left, uh, that what you cut off will go to what's left, and they'll, you know, this this actually, what commercial fruit growers do, they actually thin their crops. So instead of having, let's say, 20 pomegranates, they'll just leave 10, but they'll be almost twice as big. Okay. So, 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 so limiting okay. the production helps what's left. All right, I'll do it. Thank you, sir. Nothing to it, man. Appreciate it. Okay, we've got uh, some other callers online, but I want to throw a couple of things out there. Some things going on this weekend in between rain showers. Supposed to be kind of pretty tomorrow, I think, uh, for the most part, which is good because the St. Patrick's Day parade uh, in Jackson. Uh, and I make a, a lot of presentations around the around the state and and the region and around the country. If you have some stuff that I can can help promote, shoot me an email: garden at mpbonline.org. This weekend, the St. Tammany Master Gardeners are going to have uh, uh, their their garden plant sale. That's in North Shore. Or just uh, on the north side of Lake Pontchartrain. Uh, it's going to be the, the 16th and 17th um, at the fairgrounds, the St. Tammany Parish Fairgrounds. That's uh, in Covington. It's covered event, no rain out. So if you're looking for a place to go and it's rainy, be sure to go to that. Uh, all sorts of seminars and cooking demonstrations, educational exhibits and stuff like that. But that's uh, Friday and Saturday. It's going to be at the St. Tammany Parish Fairgrounds in 
Covington. Um, also, there's going to be a big plant sale at the Mobile Botanical Garden this weekend. It's uh, starting today, Friday, through Sunday. They have over uh, 500 different kinds of plants. They're they're well chosen. Uh, Amanda Wilkins, the curative collection down there, doing a really, really good job with this. But they always have great plants. Mobile Botanical Garden, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, in a, a, a week from now, the Mobile Flower Show, the Festival of Flowers, it's a, it's a really fun thing in Mobile, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm going to be there making a presentation Sunday afternoon. That's the, the 24th. I'll be uh, at one thirty. got plenty of time just to chat with folks. Uh, so if you want to uh, uh, make it down to the Mobile uh, Festival of Flowers, uh, I'll give a little bit more information about it next week. Uh, also, the Flora Plant Swap is this coming Thursday, March the 29th. Flora Plant Swap at the library. It's the oldest plant swap in the known universe. Bring a plant, well-rooted plant, ready to go. Starts at 9 o'clock. You'll have a great, great time. There's a lot of other things uh, coming up. We can talk about those, but these are the ones that are right away, right away. So if you've got some things you'd like to help me, uh, me to help you promote, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.com. Dot org. Uh, by the way, this is St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. You got to keep your eye on the Irish, because sometimes they get a little woohoo, and this is the weekend to do it, whether you're Irish or not. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. Me and Java are going to take a little bit of Newton, a, a minute or two, and we're going to come back with your phone calls. You want to give us a call? It's one eight seven seven MPB ring. We'll be right back with more of this muddy business we call gardening. Welcome back, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. Like I said, if you got some things to help uh, that I can help promote, shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Got some fun emails this past week. I'm going to share a couple with you. But meanwhile, we're going to go down to Spanish Fort, Alabama. Hey, Alan, thank you for holding, man. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? Woo, so, how's it going? So far, so good. All right. I got a wife who is the gardener from I don't know where. She can raise tomatoes and peppers and Every once in a while, plant a fall garden, have vegetables out the ears like you had never seen before. But does she do okay. the digging, or do you got to do the digging? Well, we got a tractor. <laughs> that is that's a garden. A, no, that's a farm. You have a tractor. That's, that's a farm. She bought she bought one of these four hundred and fifty dollar hippers. Uh huh. Because up to this time, or last year or two. Uh, she has always made those hills with a landscape rake, and you can imagine how much work that is by the time you make a hill about the about 30 something feet long yeah but i can also think how many tomatoes you can buy for 450 dollars true enough <laughs> but true anyway enough. what's going on what can so, what, what's up okay can you tell me the difference between pleated iron and just the powdered iron that called lime scale that's so widely available um n- nope I can't. I, I I know the words, but I might have, you know, gone to the bathroom during that part of the class. I can't tell. The, but here's my question. What do you need iron for? You just got really, really bad dirt or something? Uh, no. Uh, I think the, the topsoil is just fine. But this is repeated, repeated 
every year there's uh, a flock of tomatoes and so, uh, other vegetables. So you're hauling all yeah. the nutrients out of the dirt. That's what I'm saying, you see. Yeah, so it, it, when you say plead, you, did you say, is it chelated? It starts with a C-H-E, chelated? Yeah, I believe that is. Oh, you know, I I can't remember. I don't want to get in trouble here, but I want to say that that's more readily available to the plants or it's mm-hmm. water-soluble or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, okay. the, but the other might be, too. See, I, I just don't know. But I'll tell you what I can do, Alan. Have you bought any of these yet? I haven't bought any. I have some on hand already. Okay, okay. Shoot me an email. You know, it's too wet to plant this. Shoot me an email because that way I can learn something about that. We'll find out the, the, the difference. Okay, second question. Okay. Yeah. Uh no, we we grow a lot of stuff every year, and uh, we uh, get ready to do the garden. We she put down uh, just generally top dress with fertilizer and, and lime, and uh-huh. then I'll turn it and mix it in and everything. Yeah. Uh, other than plant food, which I buy the ten pound boxes of the Miracle Grow from wholesale shops. Yeah. And. Uh, She's fixing just as soon as the weather gets right, where she can get out there and start working that, get her plants in the ground and will freeze. Uh, what if there's anything else to throw in there to help her along? Yeah, a, a couple of things. Uh, usually, you, you, if you've listened to my program, I've been doing this for years and years and years, and I'm retired extension, and I rarely talk about soil testing. But you really ought to at least every three or four or five years have your soil tested uh, to, to, to see what the levels are. Because it could be uh, – the reason I'm saying because you said you put lime in. Lime, even in a sandy soil, lime is going to last a couple of three years. So you might be over-liming, which makes the soil alkaline, which means it can't absorb fertilizers very well, even if you're putting down the right amount. See, So you may not need to be adding lime all the time. Uh, every couple of three years is the most – also, if you're using a fertilizer that's got a high middle number, that phosphorus, that stuff tends to build up in the soil, too. And you might need to switch over to something with more nitrogen than phosphorus. You know, miracle Grow is great if you use it regularly, you know, but, it, but it's, okay. not, it's not a hit or miss type of thing. It's a, because, you know, plants depend on it. So anyway, shoot me, shoot me an email. Let's come with, with the kind of fertilizer you use. Let's see if we can custom make something that will sort of pinpoint what your plants need rather than just what you've been doing all the time. Okay. So anyway, right, thank you. That, that's, that's a good start, man. And, uh, Alan, appreciate you staying on top of that. We'll take a uh, – uh, a break from the phone call, just saying I want to share a couple of things. Uh, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, is going to be the Vernal Equinox. Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I can't remember. Vernal Equinox, official start of spring. Uh, by the way, Vernalis means spring. Equinoxium means time of equal days and nights. In other words, Vernal Equinox, one of the two times during the year when the day and night are equal length, both 12 hours long. So uh, next uh, next week is going to be the official start of spring. Um, also, let me see. This week in the garden, uh, I want to give a shout-out to a fellow named Philip Barnes. Philip is an old landscape architect friend, works for the city of Jackson. He stopped by after work to critique my messy, overstuffed, over-accessorized cottage garden. And really good to have somebody every now and then they come by and recognize some of the more kind of unusual plants we rarely find in kind of garden variety gardens. Uh, we, we both studied at Mississippi State, learned plant materials and all that. But, but uh, you know, you don't see plants like butcher broom or ruscus. You don't see very much caria, what we call yellow rose of Texas. Sumac, you know, he commented, in fact, I got sumac, one of the prettiest fall color plants you can have. A lot of people don't use them in the gardens. And a little blue star, iffy on the little uh, uh, ground cover bulb, such a bright, bright 
purple lavender right now. Got it from a great grandmother's garden. Uh, we also talked about a really big fire ant mound that I've got all the way around a a big stone on my front curb. It's a huge fire. It goes all the way around a rock that five people can't pick up. Uh, and we decided really not hurting anything, so I'm just going to leave them alone. Uh, uh, but uh, I did tap on the, the stone. It's a big stone. I sort of tapped on it with the palm of my hand, and the ants got all riled up, so we had to leave. But anyway, it's always good to have somebody recognize this stuff like buckeye trees and arum lilies. Uh, these are old-fashioned plants. They've been used forever in southern gardens. You just don't find them for sale in garden centers because they're not the you know the the flavor of the month i guess uh, but there's some terrific plants out there that have been in old gardens that still work in contemporary modern gardens i appreciate that also want to uh, uh, thank the folks who helped me out with the holes in the straw java you remember we talked about how many holes are in a straw is it one long hole or is it a hole at each end <laughs> Did we figure that out? No, we we, we really didn't. But, uh, uh, you know, here's, here's, somebody wrote in and said, if you think of the straw as a container, like a pixie straw with powdered candy in it, you need to plug both holes, the top hole and the bottom hole, because otherwise it'll run out one or the other. <laughs> so there's a hole in each end. Uh, and also, if you want to use it, a pipette. Uh, anyway, here's something that uh, Nick uh, McGuirt wrote. She said it's a moot point. She said, it doesn't really matter. However, it does matter that one end is more smoothly cut than the other. you got to sip from the smooth end. It's more comfortable. Appreciate that. I like to throw this kind of stuff out because it throws the program a little off kilter. Otherwise, you can get real stuffy about gardening real, real fast. Got some emails to share, but uh, Java, here's some things that uh, a friend of mine from Oklahoma sent about lexophile. Lexophile are people who, who love words. And uh, and there's some funny things like you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. You know, that kind of stuff. This is going to get stupid here real quick. You're looking at me like I'm going to be all smart or something, but it ain't going that way, Java. Well, they just had the spelling bee, and you talking about lexophile. That's like a $5 word, so... That's we'll, right. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and Kevin was telling me that that uh, the uh, one of the words that came up, they didn't get to it uh, in the spelling bee, but one of the words was gestalt. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you said that. Yeah. Well, here's how about this? No matter how much you push your envelope, it'll still be stationary. Uh, I just I'm reading a book about anagravity. I can't put it down. <laughs> It's some real stupid stuff. Uh, I didn't like my beard at first, and it grew on me. How about this? Um, I stayed up all night to see where the sun went. Then it dawned on me. I'm reaching for the rim shot, but I just can't get to it. Two, two, <laughs> two more. Uh, in England has no kidney bank, but it does have a liver pool. And... Um, Here's a guy who's addicted to drinking brake fluid, but he says he can stop any time. <laughs> so is it time for the cheesy tune? <laughs> <laughs> no, one, one more. How about this? Uh, I got some batteries that were given out free of charge. <laughs> but here's my, my favorite one of all, uh, which was, was it on this list. Oh, I can't even remember. I, I'm blessedly blank here. I can't remember the, the, my, my favorite. Oh, I know what it is. Um, time flies like the wind. Fruit flies like bananas. <laughs> okay, look, let, okay. Let's, let's go to the cheese. Let's go to the cheese. I mean, I've got a whole bunch more, but this is gardening. Let's go back to me. Let's come up with a gardening-related tune somehow related to St. Patrick's Day. We're going to take a quick break and come back with your phone calls. one mpb ring Got the lines wide open. We're going to be back with more of Gestalt Gardener here on MPB right after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Oh, get out, folks. Welcome back. Horticulturist fell to rushing. Uh, give me a call. We've got the lines wide open. I must have just really burned it. They said, no, we're out of here. This is stupid. This ain't about gardening. Well, we'll get back to gardening. Give me a call, one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It is a live program here on MPB, and we're not going to try to sell you anything. By the way, I spent uh, all day yesterday scrubbing oyster shells. Uh, oyster shells, I got them at a local uh, fish house, and, you know, they shuck the oysters, and they put them on a little thing where you could eat them, but the shells are left over. And the guy where the oyster is hooked to the shell is funny little, like a piece of old chewing gum or something. Anyway, I scrubbed them all off and I'm painting them because next weekend's going to be a real special day. You know, here at MPB, they have the annual drive time. Instead of doing it all week, we just do it one day. And it happens to be on Friday, which is when we're going to have some fun. Java, I spent yesterday scrubbing these things, starting to paint them up. I am hand-painting oyster shells for people who call during the drive time next week. Yeah, that's that's going to be kind of awesome. Next week is drive and it's always a fun day. I don't. I hope we... we to you know, give it through the radio, yeah, because it's always a fun time here in the studio during drive time. You know, actually, I'm giving a, a, a lecture in North Carolina next Thursday, and I'm turning around as soon as it's over and flying back Thursday night to do drive time because I want to on Friday and then turning around Friday and flying back to a different place in North Carolina to do a lecture. So I'm coming back because it's a lot of fun, but I'm painting these oyster shells. I'm putting a little a little garden heart and a little small bottle tree. They're real crude because I'm not a, an artist, but they're hand-painted by me. And uh, if you call in next week during drive time, during a Gestalt Gardener, you're going to get one of these as a little thank you thing. Hand-painted oyster shell, hand-scrubbed. Look at my hands. So clean because I scrubbed my hands while I was scrubbing the oyster shells. Anyway, uh, a couple of real quick emails before we go to the phone calls. Uh, Paul Brown said, and this is a great one. He said, for years I've been buying plain sunflower seeds to feed a large variety of birds. Just by chance, I bought a cherry-flavored version. The birds have eaten very little of the flavored seed. Where I couldn't keep the plain uh, seeds, couldn't keep it full all the time. Looked at different reviews. Only a few people commented that the birds didn't like the flavored seeds. And curious, why? do you know why birds would not like <laughs> cherry-flavored sunflower seeds? <laughs> do I know why? Yeah, b- no, I don't. And here's the truth. Birds have an, an extremely narrow sense of smell and taste. They can smell, they can taste, but not much. Cherry-flavored sunflower seeds are a marketing gimmick. They have no benefit whatsoever, but typically the ones that are flavored are going to be the older, the cheaper seeds that the birds are going to say, no, we don't like these. It's probably because the seeds weren't good enough on their own, so they threw a little cherry flavor to get a few people to buy them. So anyway, cherry-flavored bird seed. Nope, don't get it. Oh, Try them yourself. They might be tasty. Don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, also... Uh, John Johnson said, I have several water oaks with mistletoe in them. Some are severely infected, begun, begun dying back. Some only have one or two clusters. I want to save the trees before it's too late. There's a way to get rid of mistletoe without pruning, and if so, how? Mistletoe and mistletoe is simply too high to reach. Well, here's the truth of the matter simple, uh, on, on mistletoe. I've seen mistletoe clusters that are uh, 40 years old. 
I have pictures of them I took 30 years ago, 40 years or more old, close to the mistletoe, that aren't hurting the trees. Mistletoe is a parasite. It grows a roost into the, in the limb of the tree under the bark, and it has roots that wrap around the limb under the bark. And, uh, yeah, it can cause some dieback beyond that, but um, it there's nothing you can do about it because if you kill the mistletoe, you can have roots under the bark that are going to die, and they're going to start rotting and decaying under the bark, and it's going to be terrible. So the thing to do is ignore the mistletoe. There's nothing practical you can do about it. Generally, it won't hurt the tree's too much. Not much you can do about it anyway. So look at mistletoe is year-round Christmas tree ornaments and take it from there. There are people who tell you different. I'm just looking at it from the tree point of view. Mistletoe is under my skin. Don't get rid of it because ain't no going to tell them what's going to happen when it's gone. Let's go to Oxford. Patty, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you doing this morning? Pretty good. A little rowdy for some reason. <laughs> oh, well. What's up? What can I help you with? So I I have a a citrus tree, a a Myers lemon tree that I took a clipping from my grandmother's house in San Diego last year. And Uh I brought it to Oxford and I planted it and it rooted. But now I have this this maybe like two foot tall tree. Um, The the trunk is about an inch wide. Um, but I want to know how to take care of it to make it grow so I can eventually put it in the ground. And if, if if North Mississippi is a good place to put it in the ground, or should I leave it in a bucket until I can put it in the ground somewhere better for citrus to grow? Yeah, well, a couple of things. First of all, what really San Diego or Encinitas or Chula Vista or Coronado or what? Um, San Diego, Pacific Beach on the coast of yeah. the ocean. Gotcha, gotcha, Pacific Beach. Uh, citrus, I, 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 really good friends of mine uh, uh, manage the – used to be Quail Botanic Garden, now San Diego Botanic Garden. I stay out there a lot. And citrus will grow perfectly well outside all throughout Southern California. But we have a hard time with it sometimes, even on the Gulf Coast here. doesn't have a chance in Oxford. Not, uh, not not even a remote chance. Citrus. There are some pots, some citrus that'll grow better in containers, like the little small edible kumquat. You can grow a Meyer lemon patty in a big pot, but you have to leave it outside and only bring it in if it's going to actually freeze. You know, or, okay. or, or let's say below forty. And as soon as the weather warms up in the middle of the winter, take it back out because it needs the sunshine and the humidity. It just it won't take thirty five or below. Just won't do it. Right. So uh, you got to keep okay. it in the pot. And uh, but but what's good, Pat, is you can you know when it gets about oh two two and a half feet tall, snip the top of it out, make it bush out, and then treat it like a like a bonsai in a pot. Keep it compact, yeah. you know, not a bunch of limbs, not a bunch of branches, and sort of you know every year sort of thin it out, leave some of it unpruned to flower and have fruits, and thin some of it out. So you kind of balance the fact that it's in a pot instead of out in the ground with roots going every which way. Okay. Well, thank you for that. That that clears up all my questions I had about this tree I've been nursing for the past year. <laughs> well, I can't believe it's all over. This is start, Patty. Oh yeah. Shoot me an email anytime. Be glad to help. I speak so I speak so cal. <laughs> bye. bye. It's a wonderful place to be. Thank you. It is. Oh, well, Patty, you still there? Uh, yes. I read what last time I gave a lecture at the San Diego Botanic Garden. I found a quote from the 1880s about San Diego written by the first ever school teacher to come to San Diego. Wow. Okay. And here's an, a direct quote. Got to remember, it wasn't the sparkling horticultural gem that it is now. She said, of all the sun blasted, uh, sun drenched, sand blasted points, 
points of departure to nowhere, this place is the worst. Oh, <laughs> that's harsh. Yeah, look at it now, though. <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for the Colorado River. Thanks. Yeah. Shoot me an email anytime, Patty. <laughs> Where do I come? Back to guard. Let's go to Startville. Reba, we went from Oxford to Startville. You going to hold up your end of the bargain here? I can do it. Good. What's up? What you got going on? Oh, well, next weekend, the 24th and 25th, Saturday and Sunday, the Octibaha Master Gardeners are going to present the Everything Garden Expo. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, at, the that's at the horse park. Yeah, at the horse park. That is a lot of fun. Oh, it's going to be great. And even if it rains, we're going to have a great time because we've got things indoors and outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, just depending on how much you want to hear right now, I can tell you all about it. Well, no, the, we get, shoot me some details, and we'll hit it up a little bit harder next week. But basically, it's an indoor event, mostly an indoor event with vendors. you got lecturers giving talks all the time up on one side. And a lot of fun. Right. Does, it, does it cost anything to get into it? Uh, it's a small admission fee. It's $5. For anybody who's seven and older, children six and under get in free. And that's and at got, the, that's at the horse the horse park uh, just south of Starville. That's right, that's right. And they've got a new road built to it on Stone Boulevard from through campus, and it's a beautiful drive. So uh, we hope everybody can come out. We've got great children's programs going on. We're going to have an antique tractor display. We have lots of plants. Uh, just have a lot of things going on, and uh, I'll send you something if you want to put do, it on do next that. week. Do that. And I've lectured at it two or three or four times over the years. It's always a lot of fun. Really good crowd. Good folks. Yeah. I think you have a conflict, but we'd love to see if you could come. But it is both days, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, Reba. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, and let's go to Wally from Boonville. Wally, how's you, what's going on with your elephant ears? Did they make it? Well, no, the question was, uh, I know I have to wait uh, for my uh, ground to get warm to, to plant some of my bulbs, like the uh, caladiums and all, and I got a whole bunch of, uh, a whole bunch, four or five different types of elephant ears that I want to try, uh-huh. and I don't know if I can put them in the ground now, or do I need to wait till it warms up to 65? You know, well, since they're so yeah. big and they're so late to do, I just, I didn't know. What well, you think? Well, first of all, I, I grow different kind of elephant ears, too, and I lost one of my favorite ones this winter because it got so cold so fast, you know, suddenly, that right. normally, normally it could make it. It was one of those upright kind, you know, the, 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 the point of it, yeah. yeah, the alocasia points upward. And, uh, I mean, it, I've been poking around and poking around, nothing but just nasty smelling mush down there. So I replaced it yesterday. I planted a new one just yesterday because elephant ears can take it. Caladiums are the ones that really don't like a cold, right. wet soil. So I I would, you know, you can actually get your caladium started a little ahead of time in some pots, you know, little, little small pots just to get them started rooted. So in a couple right. of three weeks when it's time to set them out, you know, they'll already be up and ready to go. Good idea. So I can go ahead and put some in pots and get them started. Right. Yeah. So I can go d- d- ahead d- and put, put the elephant ears in the ground. And- yep. That's right. And uh, like I say, caladiums are the ones that are most sensitive to the coastal. And if you start just in little bitty pots, you know, just little Dixie cups or something like that, just, just enough to get them started rooted. A couple, uh-huh. of, couple uh-huh. of, you can set them out in a couple of weeks, no problem. Right, sounds great. All right. So oh, by the way, uh-huh. I am from San Diego. From San Diego itself? I mean, yeah, not actually, not like from raising Chula Vista. I still got a lot of kin folks in uh, La Jolla and that whole area about there. You know, we could we could talk forever. It's a cooler town. Unfortunately, you got to be going there because it ain't on the way to anywhere. 
Uh, it's kind of like Greendale. We're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I stay up at Encinitas, that little botanic garden up there. It's so much fun. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was I, I was actually stationed in San Diego during Vietnam. A lot of people don't realize, don't talk about it. I was in the Navy during Vietnam, and I was stationed. I lived there on Car- Coronado. Sure. Yep. Familiar with it. Very much so. Love the Imperial Beach, that whole area. Just, oh, yeah. Uh, IP. IB, yeah. In a black, do you remember Black's Beach? Yeah. No, let's don't. Okay, we can start to tell the bad story. See you, Wally. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> ah, let's go to Memphis. Hi, Steve. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. What can I help you with? Um, I've got a small commercial building in Memphis that has a south-facing, you know, planter box. And it's about three feet by 20 feet. I'm looking at it right now. And, you know, it's up against the building, glass and brick, and everything I plant in there burns up in the uh, summer. Is this indoors um, or I, outdoors? No, it's outdoors. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, and I'd prefer to be doing something perennial. I got one on the same thing on the north side. I plant uh, ornamental sweet potatoes in the summer. The north side does great. Uh-huh. It goes all out in the parking lot, and it looks wonderful. Yeah. Uh, a couple, couple different colors. And on the south side, it just always burns up. You, you know, the sun hits there, and uh, it hits the building and bounces right. off. Yeah, and right, it all, all night radiated heat. It's, and if I could, if I could get something low perennial, I'd be really happy. When you um, say low, um, what, do you, what do you mean low? How how high? Oh, do you... two, two, three feet. Because I got low glass there, you know, yeah. windows. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to plant something that's seven feet tall. Right. Right. Uh, cu- a couple of things. F- first of all, it's always good to have something this year round. You know, you know, some some little yeah, low growing shrub. And uh, one of the easiest ones. Uh, there's some some. You know what Nandina is. I do. Okay, there's some Nandinas. I just put some in front of my in, in my garden that only get about a foot, foot and a half tall. They look like Nandinas too, and they spread and they had the brilliant red colors in the in the wintertime. And I can't remember the name of, it, but it's an extremely low growing uh, year round plant, and it will take any kind of it, north side, south side doesn't really matter. It loves hot, hot, hot. And, That's uh, what I'm looking for. And uh, yeah. I, I want to say it's called Harbor Dwarf. Might be Harbor Dwarf. But anyway, it's a Harbor. real low-growing uh, uh, Nandina that 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 that'll give you something all year. Um, and yeah. then, as far as perennials, you know, there there are quite a few perennials that'll that'll take the the hot hot sun, uh, radiated heat. Uh, so matter of fact, so I'm almost drawing a blank here because there's so many of them. But let me throw out a couple of annuals to try because they will bloom sure. from from spring through summer into the fall. There's one called Angelonia. Just think, Angelonia, Angelonia, little mm-hmm. little little uh, compact. Look it up, maybe a foot and a half are so tall lots of stems of comes in white pink lavender or purple really that's really a, that's an annual it, would i buy that in sets at the nursery then yeah yeah but angelonia okay. is unstoppable and then there's a little zinnia it's called profusion they come in different colors but the profusion orange only it gets about the size of a basketball Half a basketball sitting on the ground, and the wow. unbelievable heat, drought, and tolerant. Uh, so you know those are a couple of annuals that give you all season color, and then you can come back in the winter time with some, some, you know, some violas, some kale, and things like that. We can come up with annuals, but if you'll shoot me an email, yeah. uh, Steve, because uh, I'm just drawing a total blank off the top of my head. There's so many great, great perennials that'll take a lot of heat that, that I could throw out. Uh, one other quick question: What about the small uh, marigolds? Uh, marigold, when you get a really hot, dry place like that, they're going to be magnets for spider mites. 
Okay. You know, the spider mites All are really, right. really bad on, on uh, marigolds when they're in a hot, dry place like that. I mean, you give them a try, but, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to be as dependable as the little zinnias, the angelonia, uh, periwinkle, you know, which is a, it's, it's from Madagascar. It's from a place that's hotter and drier than your little place in Memphis. So, you know, th- those, are, those are some easy ones to start with. Is this a good time to start those Nandina, the lowland Nandinas? Yeah, uh, any plant that's in a pot, uh, you can plant any time you get around to it. Be sure when you pull it out of the pot, though, to loosen up the, the potting soil yeah, on the sure. roots so it's not just and, – and so its roots can get used to your dirt pretty quick. But shoot me an email. Right. I'll, I'll send you four or five really good perennials, in, uh, and you'll be able to get them at a plant sale there at the uh, – if they're hard to find at garden centers. Sure. They always have great plant sales at Dixon or the Botanic Garden or whatever. That's great. I really appreciate it. Shoot me an email, Steve. We'll have some fun yes, with this. All righty. That was Steve from Memphis. We got the lines wide open. You want to give us a call? It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING, 877-MPB-RING. By the way, Christina Butler says she had a blueberry bush she planted last summer, and somebody says she ought to pick the flowers off the plant for the first one or two years so the bush will get stronger before producing berries. I'm thinking, What? Yeah, no. Enjoy the berries. Water the plant really good every couple of weeks on the summer. But, you know, you can have a hat full of berries, eat them. Don't pluck them off. That's one of those horticultural things they try to get you to do because it makes them sound smarter. Let's have some fun. This is gardening, folks. And I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. Mississippi Public Broadcasting puts us all together this garden party we call the Gestalt Garden. And we'll be right back with more right after this. My shoes off a little while ago, Java. I don't know why I'm so rowdy today. You have been walking around here with with your shoes off. Just you're doing to you're doing a lot, Felder. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I love this program. This is the kind of time where we can get together and talk with anybody about anything. As long as we keep it clean, we're all right. Oh yeah, gardening and music is are like the great equalizers. <laughs> you know, some somebody asked, why do you play the cheesy music and do the you know the stupid stuff and all? It's to kind of keep things off kilter because gardening can quickly turn it devolve into real serious horticulture, and I can horticulture you till your eyes bleed. But let's have a little fun, and we're gonna start out by going out to Bush, Louisiana. Is it Amsley? Is that your name, yeah. Amsley? Yes, this is Amsley. Yeah, Amsley. What's going on? What's up? Well, I have two questions. One is about strawberries. My wife has a strawberry bed about 54 inches wide in concrete blocks, uh-huh. and um, it produces a lot of strawberries, but she's not able to get to leave them until they get ni- nice and ripe and sweet like the ones you buy. And um, I'm one, and I'm wondering if the layout is wrong. I'm wondering if they would do better in rows with plastic between or something like that. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, the the dark plastic will help them warm a little, warm up a little bit. But here here's the 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 way the, the commercial blueberries grow them so well is they don't plant them as a permanent crop. They replant them at every couple of years, if not every year, so that they have individual plants that have stronger flowers and stronger berries. You know, and when the runners run everywhere, then they'll thin out all but the strongest ones for the next year. So they they limit the production to just the really biggest, uh, toughest 
plants, and that helps a lot. So thinning out some of those plants will help what's left. That helps a good bit. So uh, thin out some would help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you'll think of strawberries as an every-year plant, instead of, you know, you plant it and you just leave it alone, let it, you know, turn into a, a, a big, thick bed, you know, thin them out. She could actually take half of that bed and dig it up every year and let the runners from what's left run to the to the fresh dirt. Next year, do it the other side. So they run back and forth and back and forth so you have stronger plants. So, so, so then they would... Uh, produce better berries. Yeah, because otherwise it gets all crowded and thick, and the little plants take energy from the big plants and all that kind of stuff. Also, the variety. A lot of the times, the commercial growers will grow varieties that are sweeter and bigger. They're not as hardy in the long run. They're not as good for what I call garden growing, but they're really good for short-term production, which is what the commercial growers use. So variety has a lot to do with it, too. Okay, um, and we have, of course, slugs, but we put out beer we don't drink beer but we put it out in lids well you know um, beer is okay but you can also you know just get some instead of the lids if you'll you know take some little cola bottles and turn them on their side or bury some cans down in the ground and cut a little hole in the lid they'll drop down in there and you can also put a put a banana peel in there with it because they're attracted by the smell banana peel and the smell of the beer is what attracts them but if you'll take some like some coffee cans or butter dishes with a plastic lid, cut a hole about as big as a quarter in the top of it, sink it down flush, they'll crawl in, drop down, and you don't even have to look at it. And the, the neighbor's dog's not going to lick up all the beer. And put a banana peel in there. Yeah, a, l- a little beer. You know, that's, the, that's what, what, you know, they drown in the beer. They drown in the liquid. Okay. So, so give that a try. Okay, so we could just cut a hole in the cans and put, bury the cans in the Yeah, pan. about the size of a quarter. And you can actually spray paint it where you can't see them. Okay. Um, all right. Let's let's try muscadines. Okay. Uh, I have a couple of muscadine vines, and the last two years we haven't got any because critters ate them, and they start eating them before they're uh, when they're still green. Yep. There are a lot of lot of holes on the ground underneath, so something's eating them out. I, I'm po- assuming po- possum, possum possums, Is and there, rats. What what can I do? Uh, the the it, the only practical thing to do is get some of this bird netting type stuff and wrap it around the vines and use clothespins to close it up with, you know, so they can't crawl up the vine into it. That's the only practical thing. And and that's not practical, but that's the only thing that'll work is, is a bird netting with clothespins so real tight around the vine itself. And if you don't prune your vines really, really hard every year, you know, it's just impossible to do that. So muscanized. Well, and I, I pruned them and I went to that thing. Uh, at Henley Field that you told about, uh-huh. and they and I found out you could cut them off. They don't have to grow all the way down to the ground. That's so right. That's maybe right. Three feet long, so that would right. make it easier, I guess, to put netting around. Yeah, just put some netting and like throw it on there, and again, use clothespins close to the vine itself, so that whatever's climbing up the vine can't do it quite as easily. They're going to still try though. And you don't know you don't know of anything I could put in a trap that would. That would irresistibly attract possums or coons. There's, it's not just, uh, it's not just uh, the possums, but also uh, uh, rats, things like that, come out at night. You know, there's just, you know, birds uh, just going to have to. Netting is the only practical way, unless you have a big vineyard in this, you know, in a in a garden type thing. You know, there's so many different critters can come so many different directions. I see. Well, thank you for your help, and I hope you don't catch my cold. <laughs> okay. I'll be talking to you. Well, I just thought it was just the way you talk because where you live. 
Well, uh, <laughs> might might be. I'm kind of a redneck, but uh, but I also have a cold, and I'm hoping you don't catch it. Well, I hope your birds don't. I hope you don't, your birds don't get the flu from you. <laughs> okay. <sighs> it was real rowdy today. I, I think it was me. I think I know what it was, Java, because I didn't have. It was raining so much. I didn't have to walk. So you had that energy. I had the energy. Usually, usually I walk a couple of, couple of miles to each way, and I have the little extra energy. And today I've just, woo Yeah, that's, and that's exactly what it was. It could be also St. Patrick's Day and spring's coming up next week. That's okay. We get uh, uh, plenty of time during the week to answer emails. Shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I get a lot more serious when when I can spend a little time looking stuff up or scratching my head and thinking about it than just rattling stuff off the top of my head. So shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. Gestalt Gardener is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, my producer today is a laid-back but hard-working Java Chapman. Phone greeter is Kevin Farrell. He's got even cheesier word stuff than I do. Um, anyway, we're going to be thinking about all of y'all as we get out and do a little pruning, a little planting, getting ready for stuff. Look at my roses are blooming and get ready for springtime. Hope your garden is faring well. Main thing is if you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center, give them a $5 bill and show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. Have a safe whatever tomorrow is. Irish thing, St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) 